Hello everyone, I'm Bianca Burton and this is Sportify. If you want to become a Sportify fan today, head on over to Instagram, podcast underscore Sportify, all lowercase. And please subscribe anywhere you get your podcast. I hope you enjoy my content. If you're new here, welcome. This is Sportify, podcast of champions. Let's get started. So, hi everyone, this is Sportify, and my brother is on the podcast today because he wanted to come on, (laughs) so here we are. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) As you know, um, we've had multiple co-hosts, and uh, John, my cousin, has been on, so we're going to talk about old school basketball today and martial arts. So... Just to start off in the basketball world, I wanted to talk about Sean Bradley. He was a former center for the Mavericks, and he was in a bad uh, accident, and now he is paralyzed from the waist down. That's insane. And he uh, he's a German player, as the Mavericks tend to get European players. Obviously, he's retired from basketball, but still, that must be really difficult to have an injury like that when you are an athlete. Yes. Yeah. In in multiple sports areas also, I think that injuries such as those are, are ones that they just change your entire livelihood. You know, mental aspect, mental attitude, physical recovery, those kinds of things are all um, forever change. You know, um, a lot of people don't come back the same. A lot of athletes don't come back the same. Yeah. And he's he's a uh, 49 and he is. Seven six. That's incredibly tall. And he's seven foot six. Good <laughs> Yeah. And so when you get in a car accident and you're seven six, you know, like it goes to show. Tallest, sorry. Uh, who's the tallest athlete? Is he the tallest one? Because I know there's some chick that's like seven foot nine or something. Let's see, tallest. I don't. Player. I don't remember. I mean, I'm sure the audience can Google it on their own, also. But it's like that's, but, that's yeah. just psychotic to me. So, like, it, I wonder what kind of car he was driving because yeah. obviously uh, the bottom half of him got paralyzed, so he got hit either in the spine or directly in the Boy. tailbone area. So. I feel like I'm a forensic scientist or something. <laughs> like, um, That's horrible. He obviously it's a very bad crash, but um, because he's so tall, he has a more likely chance of getting paralyzed. Sadly. Okay, so the tallest NBA professional male basketball player is Sun Mingming. He's seven nine. Oh yeah. Okay. So, in the list, there are also other players that are 7'7", seven, 7'6". Seven, seven, Yao Ming was 7'6". Yeah, yeah, Yao Ming. I remember Yao Ming, yeah. So, and then that guy that I just said, he's 37, so, and he's a... Uh, he, oh my god, he weighs 370 pounds. 370? <laughs> Good lord. And he's all lean so it's just how yes. like heavy his bones are that's crazy well like oh. on the other the other contrast look at jj berea you know he's like what is he six feet or jason kidd both of those guys are small players yeah what john and i were actually talking about jason kidd and he's actually like six four so he's actually tall but he's six four. Oh, okay 
everyone else is so much taller that he looks small. <laughs> I want to say that JJ is smaller than that. I think he's six feet or something. Yeah, and uh, as we know, Spud Webb is the shortest basketball player in the NBA, and or was, and he was 5'7". He and, was 5'7". Five, Good <laughs> God! Shorter than you, and um, yeah. no, you're I'm, like I'm five. I'm about five ten. So yeah, yeah. And they say in this little thing that I'm looking at, the average guy, average human male, is five ten. Yes. LeBron James is six eight. He's six eight. Yep. And then um, the guy I just said is seven nine. So that's just that's just insane. Because I knew Shaq, of course, was he's seven one. Right. I think Shaq's 7-1. There's a picture of Shaq with Simone Biles, and Simone Biles is shorter than me. She's 4'9". She's 4'9"? She's 4'9". What? <laughs> what is, wasn't she, our grandmother 4'11"? Uh, Mimi's yeah, 4'11", yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's 4'9 inches tall? Yeah. That's crazy. And she's and a she's, really um, good athlete, too. She's like 20. She's a couple years older than me. Um, but, yeah, Shaq is 7'1". And they he put he took a picture with Simone Biles and her little 4'9 self. And the size difference yes. is just so incredible. Shaq's shoe size is 23. <laughs> he has a 23 shoe size? Yeah. That's just insane. I can't even like put my head around that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I I love uh, Shaq. I think he's hilarious. Oh, yeah. Great athlete. Yeah. Um, Kobe Bryant's best friend. Sadly, you know that was tragic. And just I just saw this. Shaquille O'Neal's wife, Shawnee O'Neal, is only five seven. <laughs> so that's, that's she's crazy. she's tall for a woman, but. You yeah. know. So, like, okay, that brings us to speaking of Kobe and Shaq, and and th- those players are the the hybrid representation of uh, transitioning from old school to the newer players. You know, Shaq being uh, a remnant of the old school, and then mm-hmm. Kobe coming in later. Um, and I've seen footage comparisons of Kobe and Jordan. And they they do the same. They have done the same moves, the same shots, and yeah. they do like a play by play of it. Um, and uh, I'm curious to hear what your opinion on is about the long heated debate versus Kobe, Kobe, LeBron, Wade, or Jordan at so, all time. So, in your opinion, who do you think is the best? Um. Okay. So my favorite player. Of all time is Dwayne Wade. All right, and um, great player. Just my favorite player of all time in terms of the game, how he plays it. I really like his play style. Is he the greatest of all time? No. Is he in the list? Yes. Um, as the debate goes, I think there's you know the Mount Rushmore of greatest of all time NBA athletes, mm-hmm. and um, I definitely think Michael Jordan is the best of all time. Always will be. Um, I, he is kind of the Simone Biles, if you will. Changed the game of basketball forever. She changed gymnastics. Mm-hmm. No one can compare. Um, no, Yeah, you can... LeBron, here's my problem with LeBron, and John and I uh, talked about this a little bit. Uh, LeBron is very technical, and if you look at his stats, he actually doesn't have a lot of 
scoring stats. His stats yeah. are mainly assist. So he's not doing the work. He's throwing the ball to someone else and helping them make the right. Um Jordan would shoot from half court or farther. Yes. 60% from the field. 60%. Yeah. That's just, I can't even imagine doing, I mean, good luck in general. <laughs> but like yeah. the other, the other thing is the game is different than it was. That's my point. It's like yeah. the game of back of basketball back then in, in the, you know, late eighties, early nineties was a very, much more physical game. Mm-hmm. Than than today, um, uh, when it comes to point systems and everything, the whole thing is totally different. Not to discredit the players of today, that's not what I'm saying because I'm not, uh, you know, one of those super fans of Jordan to the point of, or, or any player, mind you, um, th- that just runs with the train and and doesn't accept uh, is very close minded in. You know, Opinions that are not my own. Uh, what I'm, I'm basically saying is, Jordan has everything that you would need in a complete player. He has assists. He has uh, uh, point skills. He's got guarding. He's got attack and defense. He's got everything. And, yeah. Yeah. And Kobe is, com- I'd say, the most comparable to him out of out of the list um, uh, from. Old school versus new school, and then you have other old school players, uh, Larry Bird. You know, Celtics mm-hmm. back then, um, he was insane. And then the only and Jordan testifies that the only person that made that really challenged him every time they met on the court was Magic Johnson. Yeah, um, and Magic Johnson brought the best out of Jordan. I, I think Magic Johnson is actually one of the best players as well. Um, I think because I, I was listening when Kobe Bryant died, obviously they had a lot of uh, footage of him in inter- in interviews and in um, you know press conferences and stuff like that. Right. And he said, uh, and in the Last Dance, which is about Michael Jordan and the Bulls, uh, jo- or, uh, Kobe said. I would not be the player I am without Michael. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there are no questions. And they actually, it, I, uh, it was sad to watch the funeral of him and then watching Jordan speak about him. I never knew that, that they were as good of friends as they were because I thought they were always just rivals and they never really out or never talked or anything. But Jordan said how, how uh, important he was as a friend. Uh, as mm-hmm. well as as well as a professional player, so I thought absolutely. That and I feel uh, I feel so bad for Shaq, and you know oh, yeah. he not only was he his best friend, but he was on the same teams as him, played with yep. him, and um, yep. never played against him. I don't think. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, it, the last game of Kobe Bryant, he had sixty points in twenty sixteen, uh, all by himself. Yeah, that's just. Yeah, I think Jordan won. Uh, he scored f- having the flu. <laughs> yeah. Or 50, 55 sick. And yeah. uh, also, and, and again, I always go back to the. T- you think Jordan came out and started becoming as popular as he was, his t- and his sports marketing was insane. 
compared to oh, today. Yeah. Because and today you've got social media and, and all of these other platforms that you can utilize where he didn't have that. Jordan didn't have that back then. That's true. And um, they say in the last dance, back to what you're saying about the flu, there was a whole series of games. I think it was against the Utah Jazz where Michael was not feeling well at all. He was burnt out. He was tired. But then he still won. (laughs) It's just insane. And then you could even go as far far to say that all of these players, regardless of which one is, you know, um, our favorites, it's about the mentality behind the winning aspect and how oh, through and and that's why these athletes are so enjoyable to watch is when you you tap deep down when when stuff like that happens what are you going to do you know so yeah um, it's really cool to think about those kinds of things and that's why i think it that's why i have a huge love for olympic sports is because that's all that is and yeah um you only have the Olympics and the run of the Olympics, and then you have to wait four years. And um, well, for the summer Olympics, for the, the winter right. too. But um, you know, what I'm saying you go back to training every single day, every single day. You know, and for those of for the audience that don't know, I was a dancer for my entire life, and that alone. Pre, like pre-professional dance we would go six hours a day six days a week yeah and yep. the intensity and the thing is i'm saying that but you look at gymnasts who get up at 8 a.m and train for four hours and then they go to school and go back to the gym and train yep. till 11 at night yep. it, it's just and they're like 14 it's like whoa yeah. wait a minute you know it's it's insane <laughs> what and what was so there are two documentaries. There's a docu series I was talking about uh, called "Defying Gravity" about uh, the creation of gymnastics and the creation of the apparatuses, and they interview a bunch of new gymnasts and older gymnasts and all that stuff. Yeah. But then there's Athlete A about the Larry Nassar sexual assault scandal. But uh, the way it was produced, the way it was directed, very well done. Yeah. For, for a Netflix documentary. Like, we have to put that in perspective. And, um, <laughs> you know, like, sometimes you watch Netflix documentaries, you're like, oh, that's not that good. But, um... Well, somebody yeah, has and, to pay, and they they paid well. They, they got money yes. well spent on that one, yeah. And they selected the right gymnast to talk to. Right. Because there were over 500 victims of Larry Nasser. 500? Of I didn't know it was that much. Five, 500. I watched the trial um, and an accomplice who was involved with Larry Nasser and he was the uh, this accomplice was the head coach of the women's gymnastics team in the London Olympics. He was charged with he also worked at Michigan University, and um, that's where all the you know scandals were kind of occurring. That was kind of the home base of it. Mm-hmm. And um, this guy was set was set to be charged, and the day of his sentencing, he killed himself. Oh, so and he was sixty three. So that's interesting. I I'm not even gonna I don't even remember his name, but I don't think he deserves for me to say it. And um, it's like. Oh, it's so disgusting. And there were over 500, and half of those were teenagers, and half of those were minors. Like, not, I mean, I know teenagers are minors as well, but I mean, like, nine and ten year olds. Yeah, that's insane. 
And what would happen is because you have to have a parental unit in the office, um, Larry Nasser would stand in front of the parent and then do his thing. And so they couldn't see what was going on. And, um, we're covering a lot of topics, by the way. We're going into therapy. We're going into basketball. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're going to Olympic we, uh, like sexual this. abuse scandals. It's really a lot of fun. Uh, for the audience at home, if you have any kind of uh, um, you know trauma related to this, please call this number. <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah>. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, um, we, we do not advocate. And, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, if you are having problems with that, please go seek help. That is just... I'm sorry. If you have a shin injury, why are your pants down? Yeah, that's like, weird. Come on now. And um, athlete A talks about that and talks about it goes into the gruesome details that I will not say. But um, if, if you they, would like uh, to find out more, uh, Netflix might still have documentary <laughs> available. It's just it's illogical. It's like, oh, yeah, my foot was broken. And then he did this. And it's like, whoa. OK, now he definitely brainwashed them was in the contributing sector of the brainwashing because as i just said elite gymnastics and elite figure skating uh elite sports in general are very intense and you are in there majority of your life (laughs) majority of your young childhood and you grow up if you're injured you get back on the floor you don't complain yeah and if you complain you're off the team pretty much like that's how it was also sadly when it comes to olympics olympics have uh an added layer to it that uh, NBA sports does not um, uh, in the sense of when it comes to basketball um, going full, full circle into basketball the, the, the athletes that are high profile that are really really um, you know talented and, and display good sports marketing and, and have a brand behind their playing style versus that the media you know would would latch on to in a heartbeat and you look at you know LeBron with uh, um, and and Kobe too with being accused of rape and and uh, uh, Jordan with his gambling uh, problem he got profiled for gambling uh, and, Dennis Rodman yeah Rodman and transgender tendencies and everything and that was back in the 90s where it's interesting that now you're starting to see these things being broadcast in a totally different way than they were back then. They were very taboo to even talk about in the 90s. You know, with the different hair color and the, and the you know, uh, the tattoos and everything. Um, the self-expression is, I'm a big advocate for that and cool. Be, you know, people express themselves in whatever way they wish to. Um, and I didn't find it weird when I saw uh, on on the court, I saw him as the best rebounder in NBA history because of his mm-hmm. skill set, and I didn't look at him going, "Whoa, you know, like that's." I don't know if I could watch him because he, he looks weird. And then he didn't. He got his own uh, thing oppressed because of the wedding dress thing. But he was dating Madonna at the time, so it's like, well, what the hell is going on today? And then and the yeah. added layer that I mentioned. Um, it's uh, um, the added layer of NBA versus Olympic sports is that the Olympic sports had the implication of national attention of whatever nation yeah. it, you're you're a part of, and that's why Russia came in like the motherland, and they <laughs> they came in with with a vengeance with gymnastics because that was one of the um, few areas that they. 
excelled at at the world stage was the Olympic figure skating all that stuff. I, I think um, I will go into that because I find uh, Russian training in Olympic sports extremely oh, interesting. Yeah. It's very different than the U.S. Yeah. And just to like circle back to what we were talking about ver- at the very uh, top of this, the tallest uh, female NBA player is seven two. Seven foot two. She's, She's uh, Margot Dyek. What's the last she- name? <laughs> uh, Dyek. She's Dyek. Polish. Polish. Oh wow. Okay. And um, I, I was talking about a couple of weeks ago when because I work most of the UNT basketball games and yes. uh, the UNT sports yep, keep, and stuff. Talking, and we yes. played we played uh, Rice and this was women's basketball and mm-hmm. Rice um, Rice women's basketball is extremely good and I don't know how because their men are not that good but they are. But I found out when I got there because they have a girl on the team. Who is six ten? She's six foot ten. Uh huh. <laughs> and one of my favorite gymnasts of all time is Malinkova, and she is a um, Russian gymnast, and she's about my age, and she's really interesting to watch. But they also talk about her in if you there's another series. Um, on YouTube. I forget the name of it. I'll remember it sometime. But they go to Russia and they film her training. And, uh, oh, that's right. It was on the Olympic Channel's YouTube page. Because before Tokyo 2020 got postponed, Which everyone was training. Very as weird, if, yeah. Yeah, I, I... And if they don't end up doing it this upcoming year, they're just well, not well, they, doing they it have all. To. Like, they have to. The Olympics must and, continue. So we'll be waiting another four years if they don't end up doing it. But uh, I think so far that is like we're going through with it. It's fine. But uh, at that time, they went to Morgan Hurd, who I've met. She's an American national champion in gymnastics. They went to her gym. They went to a Chinese uh, gym for I forget the, the gymnast's name. But then they went to Malinka's gym. And all three of them, and as of right now, the the top players in the Olympics in gymnastics, the U.S., Russia, and China yep. for oh, women. Yeah. For men, it's different. Mm-hmm. For men, Japan takes place of China. Yeah. Um, it's because men's gymnastics is different. People don't seem to understand that because the apparatuses are different. Men do stuff that women don't do, and women do stuff that men don't yeah. do. It's definitely possible. Um, because uh, you know, with going all over the map here, which is which is all the way picks to martial arts to to gymnastics, yeah. and everything, you're starting to see that. You're starting to see the the gender roles and the body mechanics intertwine together, where where guys are starting yeah. to do a lot of stuff that women can uh, usually for doing and then vice versa the other way around and I think that's a good thing I think uh, the versatile athlete is what we all want whether it be basketball or uh, Olympics or martial arts or whatever and you said what you um, said earlier is actually a huge point because in the Olympics we do have other sports that we take for USA. Like we have all the players that we've just talked about for basketball and we put them on team USA for the, gym, for the basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and they go and they play and they dominate. Yep. They always win. But Michael Jordan was on that team. You know, yep. every good player is on Team USA for that. Well, but also uh, the dream team of '94 so, uh, with him. You yeah. had Magic. You had Pippen. Yeah. You had God. You had all of them. Yeah, and yeah. we kind of pick and choose for sports like that um, that are team sports more focused on actually winning than the actual apparatus or routine itself and in figure skating the dominance are the russians Mm -hmm. as i just posted on my instagram story in the recent isu championships that was about two days ago that is the international skating union championships and america does not participate in that um so the Russians, it literally went one, two, three, gold, silver, bronze, all Russian. And it was uh, Trusova, Shcherbakova, yeah. and uh, someone else. I had else. done and a little bit of research they, because I wanted to become prepared before I uh, spoke. Um, so Trusova was very <laughs> interesting. Um, I had watched her earlier uh, this morning. All these girls yeah. are like younger than me. Yes. But yeah, and um, these Russian young little figure skating robots are (laughs) insane. I I just can't, I cannot fathom. And my favorite Russian figure skater of all time is Alina Zagitova. And she won the Olympic gold medal at 15 years old. And um, well, she's older now. She's like 18 now. She won it, and her opponent, Mendendeva, was another Russian who was older than her at the time, 17 at the time, uh, got silver. And good lord, that was the most intense short program and long program I've now, ever watched. And yeah, educate me. Short versus long program, I have no idea what the difference is. In terms of the rules are the same for both men and women but the difficulty is evaluated differently so the short program is only four to five minutes and then the long program is seven to nine minutes that's literally it like two minutes difference so the difference is though is where the evaluation in difficulty is in the long program you are now required to do difficult jumps at the end of your long program when you are the most tired because they're not going to have you do all your good jumps at the beginning and then just skate around for six minutes like that doesn't make any sense (laughs) i did something um yeah but uh in terms of the isu results uh sherbakova won um this past one, and then Tuta Masheva, that's the other one. Uh, ah, these names. I love these names. Yes. I love them. Uh, <laughs> and then Trusova was third place, and she was on a comeback because she got injured. Speaking of Mendendeva, which I brought up, she actually got COVID and had to go to the hospital. She's okay now, but she she had kind of stopped figure skating for a while, and I saw her here and there, and I was like, where did you go? And um, Zagitova is on a break. She's on a hiatus. That's fine. She's already won the Olympic gold medal, so I'm okay with that. Um, <laughs> and then fourth place was actually Karen Chen of the USA. And Karen Chen has actually improved tremendously. And she is the sister of Nathan Chen, who is the best male figure skater of all time. Oh, and that's, a, that's a big claim right there. They are the same age. So imagine the parents having to put both their kids in oh, yeah. intense well, figure remember, skating training. You know, because like the sports that I watched uh, growing up, 
before you were even born, sister, um, was uh, I saw uh, two you know skaters uh, by the names of Hamilton way back in the day, and then you had Michelle Kwan. Because they were always really cool, Oh yeah You know And now uh, Scott Hamilton Does the commentating For USA Olympics yes. And the Olympics And he's had so, cancer Like um, multiple times And he's a survivor And everything So <laughs> But um The reason why Nathan Chen is so good Is because he does More than a quad Which is Four spins Until you uh-huh. land He does Five Okay and go look up after this is done go look up Nathan Channel send you a program and he yeah like don't even worry about it. I already got it covered and he also goes to Yale you know oh, no fine. big deal yeah. um and he uh the height he gets on these jumps okay. oh my god and um his sister was very much lagging behind in his shadow for the longest time and I was like, Karen, you should just stop now. <laughs> but clearly she, she's well, gotten, that's, that's she's interesting. gotten I didn't even know the, the terms of the spins and everything. I didn't, I didn't ever know what that meant, but uh, it, it makes me bring yeah. up Sean White is going to be in the next Olympics again. Good. He, he, he needs to so, keep going because he's, he just did his Oh, I love him. I love him so much. He is my favorite skateboarder, snowboarder yeah, person. He's really um, well done. He, he just did a, an Olympic trial. Well, not a, the official Olympic trial, but one of them. And he had a really great run and did his signature 540 oh, yeah. um, and his 1260. Yeah, um, and back then, like, you know, when I was I, really actively watching it, 1080s were like the max. You know, and now yeah. everybody's doing twelve. It. It's like how many revolutions are we going to get? You know, and then Tony Hawk for back then. Yeah, he's the Birdman. You know, he oh did the nine hundred. He's he's teaching his little girl how to skateboard, and it's so cute. Uh, um, he's really good. Yeah, yeah. And um, speaking of what you were talking about earlier, about how female athletes are now doing what male athletes are doing, etc. Um, the Russians that I just talked about are now doing quads. They are now... Uh, the female Russians are doing what the males traditionally do now. Okay. And um, now one of the hardest... Uh, I don't want to say apparatus. One of the hardest combinations that you can do is the triple axle. Oh yeah, and I remember that one. Tanya yeah. Harding. Tanya Harding was the first girl to, to land, land that yes. in an Olympic trial. <laughs> Mariah Nagasu landed it a couple years ago in the last Olympics, and she's retired. People generally don't do those anymore because you have to go into it backward, mm-hmm. so it's very hard to land effectively and uh yeah, the amount of speed you now, have to generate for these things it's just psychotic yeah. like, I, I look at these two yeah and right. you don't want to hit yeah, the wall yes so it's like so you're <laughs> driving yourself and then you have to think about the mechanics for that you know that's just correct yeah. and so now just also in skating if you put your arms over your head when you complete a revolution or a jump you get extra points for it and 
the Russians, the, the Russian women that I just mentioned, who are now doing quads, just, you know, in practice, landing them perfectly, are also putting their arms over their head. So it's like, it's torn. Yeah, yeah because uh, they're, they will do anything and everything to get that damn title. You know, they don't care. And and, uh, and imagine the scoring people, the officials are going, <laughs> arms over the head, good, Barbie doll, extra two point five. <laughs> in terms of back to extreme sports like we were talking about sean white in this last olympics he did a huge comeback and then he won yeah gold because medal he wouldn't look good and, at first and then then he came back real quick everybody's yeah. like oh thank god <laughs> i was worried i was like oh and he has a heart condition be- which is interesting he has a, a heart yeah, defect he uh, so that makes it puts an added mm-hmm. layer of appreciation to how how far he's come as a champion as um, most people know, he started off in skateboarding. He, he still skateboards, yeah. but so I think snowboarding is really his specialty. Oh yeah, to me. yeah, he way um, better snowboard. Yeah, he was one of the first extreme sport people to get the Wheaties box, and that was like, whoa, yeah. you know, like that's a next level and, marketing right there. Right, he, athletes in general, regardless of sport, that are one-dimensional, that have one aspect that's very, very dominant, whether it be strength, speed, whatever it may be, and then you have other people that are very subdued, other athletes that are very subdued, but still are successful, and then you have the versatile ones that that are the hybrids, the true tra- champions, in my opinion, that possess all of it. You know, you've got to be you've got to have that. It goes for martial arts, it goes for gymnast, it goes for tennis, extreme sports, whatever. The aspect of training, that hardcore, intense, day in and day out training definitely applies for them. Um, But also, I will say um, that my training in Taekwondo was very different than today. For uh, martial arts as it is, it's such a shame what's happening because Taekwondo is the most Americanized um, style of, of uh, martial arts, uh, in my opinion, in the sense of uh, there are so many schools that come out that say uh, martial arts, self-defense training and everything. And these people mm-hmm. have little to no credentials and they've maybe trained at a gym and gotten their belt or whatever. And then they basically get a license, like a, just a, a ghetto fied license or whatever you want to call it. That allows them to teach, and then they charge $120 to $200 a month per child, and then the parents will buy the belt. So the kid will will be yeah. an eight year old black belt. That's not how I, I, I. No, no, and he doesn't know anything. They don't know how to defend themselves. They just buy the the mom or dad buys the belt for them for a sense of accomplishment. So they're just giving them, you know, let's say five thousand dollars or whatever, and they just buy the belt for them. That's not how I did it. I had to study Korean martial arts history. I had to go in and and, and get on the mat after school and train and spar and and figure out you know that's how it, it is for me so it's so horrible what's happening to that specific style that's why mixed martial arts is great in bringing awareness to self-defense and to um, helping people with um, mental health issues and body dysmorphia and self-confidence problems and everything. That's what's great about martial arts, in my opinion. 
Speaking of what what we were talking about before we got on this podcast, Demi Lovato does judo. Yeah, she's a jiu-jitsu <laughs> blue belt. So, like, in relation so, to belt systems, Taekwondo, black is the top tier, and then there are ranks of black uh, belts that, that supersede them, first degree and so forth. And then after sixth degree, you are legally allowed to become a, uh, what's called a grandmaster. Um, so you get a legal certification from the state that you're in that says you are... Um, um, you, you can put that as it's almost like a degree um, uh, after your name. So it can be notarized by your financial institutions. It's pretty cool. Um, but that takes about, for Taekwondo experience, it takes about minimum, like 20 to 25 years to get to six degree or above. And in relation, Chuck Norris, the Joe, all jokes aside. I was just about to yeah, bring the, him up. The, yeah, <laughs> great minds think alike. Um, is. Um, <laughs> Is Chuck Norris is one of the last surviving 10th degree black belts. Like one of the last ones of Taekwondo. Like credentials so, are insane. And then you have, for the belt system, going back to Demi Lovato, she's a blue belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which to get a blue takes minimum 10 years to get a blue. And in Taekwondo uh, uh, time frame, that uh, I'd say six to ten years. I'm exaggerating a little bit. Well, what I mean is, Taekwondo it takes only like three years to get to blue, and like for Jiu-Jitsu it takes like double that time. It's very difficult. Um, back to Chuck Norris, I I remember his infomercial for his Total Body Workout machine. That's a great <laughs> um, I forget what it's called. It's just called. Total I, I, I literally think it's called. Yeah, it's called Total Gym. That's, yeah. There it is. Obviously, he has won at least 30 tournaments consecutively. Yep. <laughs> um, and Ryan and I were talking about the other day how um, bodybuilders are wearing out so quickly. Yep. Oh, yeah. um, but now you are seeing the opposite with MMA people or, or just MA people. They are actually living longer yes. because their training well, and needless to say there's so many different factors that key into these kinds of things with bodybuilding as it is the the mental aspect just like uh, the other sports that we mentioned previously are, i think is the same but the problem is that um bodybuilding is so there is a different kind of uh, uh, mentality in bodybuilding that is needed than a martial arts person. And also, an Olymp- uh, the mental aspect for Olympic sports would be a different kind of mental aspect um, or mental training, let's just say, or fortitude or whatever, um, than a bodybuilding person. Not to say that they're lesser or, or, or better or whatever. It's just a different kind of aspects of the brain um but anyway uh when it comes to longevity you know of the of the body i think that yes bodybuilding is is uh, on a trend downward but i think that it also uh is is different today than it was back in the golden age and you and i had spoken about the golden age of bodybuilding and schwarzenegger and franco colombo and that that hype that was uh, so prevalent in the 70s because nobody, you know, prior to the 70s, nobody really looked at physical fitness and weight training 
the way it is now. No one really paid attention to that. Like you got even in movies, you know, Clint Eastwood, he didn't work out. You know, his act, you know, he, he never they never really focused on that stuff because it was a different kind of culture. So I guess my point is that the the culture of the world also determines the culture of sports in a way. I guess is my point. So I have uh, three people I want you to uh, evaluate. So, of course, Bruce Lee. We will talk about him. And his son, who also died on the movie set. Really creepy. Um, But And then those two martial artists from Star Wars. (laughs) The Darth Maul guy and then that blind guy. You know who I'm talking about? So, Uh, well... (laughs) Well, when it comes to Bruce, uh, there really is no introduction. Uh, And, again... Trend, trends started to happen after Enter the Dragon hit. When Enter the Dragon hit, um, uh, that's a great. That movie. was his statement to say, "I am who I am as a martial artist and as an actor, um, and I'm using my training to express, you know, what I feel needs to be shown." To the world, what what I feel martial arts needs to portray to the world, and after that happened, that was it. You know, everybody was like, "What is going on?" And it was almost almost uh, uh, like a, a he was almost like a martyr of martial arts in a way, because he died so tragically and so soon and so early. He died at thirty two from hypersensitivity of pain meds. So that's just weird. And then you were talking about his son, Brandon. He was going to be just as good as his father. And then he died even younger than he did with uh, Mm -hmm. a uh, uh, assassination of somebody who put a real bullet in a gun. Um, So basically for the audience who doesn't know, he was on a movie. um, It's called The Crow. It's called something and usually you shoot the blanks blanks hit you doesn't hurt you um they you feel them but they don't make you bleed or anything and someone sabotaged that and put a real bullet in it and it went flying through him and he killed him um it hit him right in the heart i believe and uh that's how that happened and his daughter brandon lee's daughter or bruce lee's daughter shannon is still alive and uh the wife is still alive also um, and they have his estate under control, thank God. Um, and uh, um, because of that, uh, the, the legacy that Bruce has is so um, uh, well-preserved that, that hopefully it just continues the way it does with Shannon and her family. And she, uh, fun fact, there was a um, show that I used to watch as a kid that was a martial arts competition show that was on Saturday mornings and I would I would get my popcorn or whatever kind of snack I had after school and it was like Thundercats I would sit down and it was called WMAC Masters and it was a martial arts uh, competition that was a combo of like real martial artists that were that were formally trained and it was in an arena setting before UFC but it was just fun contact uh, uh, contactless uh, martial arts choreography chore- choreography based competitive ranking and they had different uh, names for each fighter and you could get into the personality of the fighter of each fighter in every way and it was that plus a little bit of Mortal Kombat elements 
in a live action show and Shannon Lee was the host which was great that was fun and I didn't know the connection to that until way later that it was uh, um, Bruce Lee's daughter I was like that's that's sick uh, <laughs> that was a really cool ounce of nostalgia for that one so Bruce Lee as it is will go down in history as the the person that cemented um, a martial arts expression and he transcended what martial arts uh, is and it's subjective to the individual it's there's no one set definition of what martial arts is in my opinion but um, uh, for me it shows um, how valuable and how great uh, combat sports is for personal development for self-defense reasons for meditative expression it's really well done and then following you talking about the next uh, person Darth Maul who I have met at a comic convention one year uh, Ray Park (laughs) and speaking of height he's real short he's like 5'5 and um, he was Darth Maul in episode 1 Star Wars episode 1 and he's kind of an interesting layer because he does wushu and wushu is the show demonstration version of kung fu of of shaolin kung fu as it is as a style and and very acrobatic martial arts style Um, and he's he's great he's very good at what he does and his wife actually is a mixed martial artist also and she's a fitness chick um, so kind of an interesting kind of dichotomy of that. Um, uh, and he's a very underrated, very good competitive. Um, uh, and then goes to the other Star Wars martial artist, uh, whose name is Donnie Yen. Um, and Donnie Yen is very, very popular, um, especially in Asia. And he's, he's got like something like 35 years of training. Um, and it was basically his nine to five in a way, like his, when he was, you know, five years old, his mom, you know, made him start and he, you know, never stopped and made a career out of it and made movies out of it. And, uh, among them, uh, tie into all of the things that we talked about with martial arts as it is, he did it man, which was based on Bruce Lee's teacher. And he was a real person that existed. And uh, he, um, you can see all of them on Netflix as well. And It Man 1, 2, and 3, and 4. Um, and I saw I was uh, at work when the fourth one came out, and I freaked out right in the middle of the hangar bay. And I'm like, oh. it was really cool to see all, all of those four films and the history of same director for all four. So the theme is really well done about how um, it's not just about Bruce Lee, but about the origins of certain Chinese martial arts styles that came to the States um, after the 70s and and the, the martial arts uh, um, culture started to evolve over and over um, from Hong Kong, from China into the, the global expansion that it is now and eventually into mixed martial arts now. Uh, and that was uh, based on um, all of those things just coming together. And then another fun fact about Bruce Lee, I have too many of them, uh, but Jackie Chan, who everybody knows and loves, uh, one of the greatest, I'd say, the greatest stuntman in martial arts history. Um, I noticed I said stuntman, not martial artist. 
he's very good when it comes to his experience he was based on stunts more though more so than uh, formal martial arts uh, training as the focus of his films anyway um, he was in Enter the Dragon when he was 21 and he was one of the stuntmen for Bruce Lee when some of the guys come up and try to fight him, he's one of the guys that he holds, which is which is cool. Yeah. So I'll have to show you. I have to see if I can find the scene uh, and show you later on of uh, the classic um, arm hold that Bruce Lee puts Jackie Chan in. And then also another fun fact yet again is um, Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris. They made a movie called The Way of the Dragon. Um, I think it was 70, 1970, before Enter the Dragon came out. And it was uh, limited release, really hokey, really horrible um, plot development and everything. <laughs> um, but it's Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris fighting in the Roman Coliseum. That's a fun one. And that really shows the, again, back to the athlete uh, skill sets that we talked about earlier about one-dimensional versus versatility in sports and martial arts and all of those things. Uh, Bruce Lee was the very fluid, um, uh, almost balletic style of martial arts. And then Chuck was the formal, credentialed, bare-bones, strength-based martial artist. Um, and you saw those two go at it in that scene. That was a great scene. And, and then going back into dance Bruce Lee was also a world uh, international cha-cha dancing champion uh, yet he was <laughs> a cha-cha dancer in addition to martial arts so he did cha-cha lessons uh, which is really cool and if you watch him you can see where it plays into how his style is because he's always bouncing around always moving and then um, it ties into all of those things, dancing and martial arts movement and how that was together into one cohesive kind of unit, you know? So, yeah, Donnie Yen's great. Um, highly recommend all of the Ip Man uh, films on Netflix. And he, uh, Donnie Yen, and Ip Man was Bruce Lee's teacher, like I said previously. Um, he developed a style that was based on a woman's st martial arts style, which was called Wing Chun, which is a uh, long fist. Uh, which is a attack and defense style at the same time. And going back to the versatility piece, that's what Ip Man taught to Bruce was that kind of combo of attack and defense incorporated into his own thing. Speaking, speaking of uh, attack and defense, I want to circle back to Michael Jordan on how he did that on the court. Yes. And he would, you know, do his offensive... I was reading an article from Sports Illustrated on the best basketball players year by year um, in the 90s. So, of course, first one's Michael Jordan. And in total, just a summary, snagging six championships and four yeah. MVPs consecutively. <clears throat> he is... he. Okay, there was one year where he retired, but then he came yeah, back. Yeah, because his <laughs> so, father passed. Let's his just father died. That. His father was murdered. And he yes. went to baseball yes. to honor his father. Yes. Um, which was very nice. <laughs> he said uh, the baseball training was very different, of course. Um, you're training all these different muscle groups that you don't de yeah. generally use in basketball. Um, 
honorable mentions for the same year that Michael got the MVP for the first consecutive six. Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas. Thomas and Magic yeah. Johnson. And there's another guy that could have been way better. Um, that was a hidden gem, as I like to say that word a lot, is Dominique Wilkins. Dominique Wilkins was insane. And they did a they did a dunk contest <laughs> against each other. When uh, I think right like the first couple of years, Jordan was on Chicago, like before they changed the uniforms and everything. And Jordan just wiped the floor with him, of course. But Wilkins hung in there, and he was really good. Um, and he was bigger. He was bigger than Jordan, I think. But he was he was underrated. I figured, yeah. I, I think the footage is somewhere. Um, really well done stuff. Um, there's just so many athletes, you know. And then um, you speaking of titles, MVPs, and everything. That's the other argument about who's the greatest of all time. Jordan Jordan is the only yes. player that has defensive player of the year. He's the only player That's that has true. that trophy out of the the four major argument arguments. Isaiah Thomas and Magic Johnson and uh, Magic Johnson was coming up toward the end of Michael's career gave him a run for his money Michael said and you know I talked to him earlier this morning Uh, yes yes Uh, Uh, let me know how that went yeah and uh, one of my favorite players Charles Barkley was also he is a great player I just can't get past how he looks I just can't do it he looks he looks (laughs) like an ant what's wrong with him He's funny, and he's a really cool person, and I like his commentating style, too. He seems like a really relatable dude, and seems like he has a lot of good friendships with a lot of the players, um, and a lot of uh, um, uh, very interesting back-and-forth trash talker um, uh, that he is. But he just looks like he's the character in A uh, Bug's Life that wasn't cast. You know, that wasn't drawn on purpose. So anyway, um, uh, <laughs> Isaiah Thomas was part of the quote-unquote bad boy Pistons. Pistons and, Detroit was um, Michael Jordan too. Yeah, and Michael Jordan said how much yes. he hated the Pistons. Yes. <laughs> also with the Utah the Jazz. Jazz. And the Jazz <laughs> are coming back up. The yeah. j- you sound like Dad. The Jazz. Jazz. <laughs> um, the the Jazz are actually in the top rankings this year because of a couple good players, including Donovan Mitchell. And um, I have not seen them that good since Michael Jordan. Well, you had a different. But no, um, the, the the two players that come to mind during that time were Carl Malone, the mailman, and John yes. Stockton. You had John Stockton in a game. Yes. And those two were a powerhouse. And then, uh, Dad and I talk about this all the time in sports. You have, and sports and music coincide. Um, you always usually have two people together that are instrumental in the development of a team or of a, a musical group or, or whatever it may be. You usually have two. So, Jordan and Pippen, LeBron and Wade, King James and Wade. Um, you've got you know, Malone and Stockton, um, Shaq and Kobe. Shaq and Kobe. See? And then same for music. It's the same thing. The Beatles. Um, you have uh, John and Paul. You've got Kiss. 
with uh, Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons. Uh, I mean, the list goes on. There's so many different different aspects right. to it, which is interesting. And in the first uh, uh, couple, you know, 90 to 91, but Jordan's playoff numbers ranged as follows. He averaged 31.2 points a game, 11.4 assists, and made 15 out of 18 shots Mm-mm. in the finals. That that was at the beginning of 91 to 92. And um, honorable mentions for that year, David Robinson, David Robinson Charles Barkley. That's another underrated one. He said he, uh, they just said, David Robinson shined his rookie year out of he the was, Navy. Yeah. He was in the Navy. And he led in rebounds and blocks 90 to 91. He ranked number two in defensive rating. And um, San Antonio logged back-to-back 50 win seasons because of him. So he was obviously a top asset. But um, Another one. Go ahead. Clyde. Um, I was going to mention... um, he wasn't around for too long, but one another gem that could have been incredible and and was that could have had a re- much longer career was uh, uh, Reggie Miller from Indiana Pacers. Reggie Miller, yes, yes like, absolutely. This guy's gonna be insane. And then, like, I think he he retired or whatever. I don't even know how many seasons he played, but I had always remembered when I when I was actively watching the game, watching him and going, "That guy is something else." You know, like Derrick Rose was. Absolutely. Derrick Rose was another one. Oh, I love Derrick Rose. Before he got injured. He's with, He's the, with Knicks? the Knicks now. How the hell did I not figure yeah. it out? <laughs> I turned into Medea. So, I'm basically, sorry. he's hopped around from team to team. Uh, he yes, was with he was. the Bulls for a long time. Then he went to a couple other teams. Then he went to the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves? Had that great game of... He had like 45 points uh, a game And um, now he's with the Knicks okay And then speaking of the Knicks I just watched Today I watched a dunk of Jordan Where Jordan dunked the ball And then like hit Ewing in the face With his hand He just stole his soul Right after he did that The look (laughs) that he had on his face that was great. <laughs> and then the New, New, New Jersey Nets, the triple coverage play, where Jordan came in with the one hand and switched the yes. ball three times and weaved in and out of three people at once before he laid the ball off. Just, that's just <laughs> insane. That's just psychotic. You don't see that a lot, you know? John Stockton was toward the end of Michael's career. And Tim yeah. Duncan, I remember him. But yeah, so... In terms of the 90s, that that was that. But also, in terms of the best NBA players of all time, this is the 30 best NBA players of all time ranked. Okay, so uh, I have not read this yet, but we will read it right now and see if we agree. So 30 is the worst out of these, okay? And number one is obviously the best. So 30, Chris Paul. Okay, don't know that person. 29, oh, Allen Iverson. Iverson's number 29. Okay. He had a shoot. Great. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> 28, John Stockton. Uh, 27, Isaiah Thomas. 26, Kawhi Leonard. 25, Dwayne Wade. Yeah, I can agree with that. 24, Scottie Pippen. Yeah, please. Yeah, they better put Pippen above 
Wait for Christ's sake. <laughs> Uh, 23, Moses Malone. And then 21, David Robinson. 20, Julius Erwin. Wow, that's that's another one. Where's Will Will Chamberlain? Is he there yet? Um, 19 is Carl Malone. 18, Jerry West. 17, Dirk Nowitzki. He's number 17 above... Pippin? Are you are you kidding me? What the hell is going on today? Um, sixteen is Charles. Bar- I can kind of see that Barkley was re- really an unconventional player that uh, uh, had a lot of uh, uh, crazy um, aspects. John, Kevin Garnett, yep. fourteen. Durant, yeah. Kevin Durant, Durant yeah. thirteen. <laughs> He's still yeah. playing. He's with the Nets now. Um, Hakeem Abdul-Jawan, I'll say it again. Um, Oscar okay. Robinson. Tim Duncan. Is Tim Duncan, Tim Duncan is, is number, number 10? 10? Okay, so now... What is going on? <laughs> anyway. Now we're getting yeah. into the real important numbers. Number nine, Bill Russell. Okay, I could see that. Eight, Dang. Wilt Chamberlain. Seven, yeah, Larry Bird. Six. I would Shaquille not agree O'Neal. with that. I would put uh, Shaquille as uh, number fifteen. No. <laughs> uh, five. Okay. Kobe I Bryant. See that. Yeah. Four. Yep. Oh yeah. Magic Johnson. Three. Kareem, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I, 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 I understand. He's tall. Great. He's just not that good of a player. <laughs> I'd say he's a great really? player, but in a weird, unconventional way. I'd say Barkley, Barkley All is, right. is uh, honestly a better player than, than Abdul-Jabbar. I think half of his skill set is based on his height. That's all it is. Okay. And number two, LeBron James. Uh, and- and number one yeah. is Michael Jordan. And, yeah, that's and also we were there. talking about like how certain factors key into you know talking about timing, talking about sports marketing and everything. Michael has done what no other player has done, and he's been able to brand himself. He was the first one that really branded himself in a way that was different than all the other players. You know, he made an entire Absolutely. logo, and- a shot that he made. His brand is him. He's the airman. <laughs> you know, like, who does that? Only champions, for one. And they talked about, uh, in The Last Dance, the first Jordans that he made and how he wore them on the court and how um, he have has improved them over the years because the first ones were very yeah. bulky and hard to run with. Um and now, look at the brand now. And he is the owner of the Charlotte yes. Hornets. And he, he had the Washington Wizards and, and uh, played yeah. on the Wizards uh, for a season or something. Yes. As I like to say, the team that does yeah, not exist. Yeah, they're, they, um, well, they're Wizards. They disappear. <laughs> um, yes. So, what is the difference between MMA, what we were talking about, and UFC? UFC is the host and main fighting... Uh, organization uh, that holds mixed martial arts. 
mixed martial arts is just the, the, that represents the different kinds of ways of, of fighting, whether it be striking, gra- uh, ground submission techniques, octagonal control, um, uh, all of those things are grouped together that are referred to as mixed martial arts. So UFC is the ultimate fighting championship that is the basically the NFL for mixed martial arts. Do you have a favorite UFC fighter? Um, in what context? That's uh, uh, just any any context. Like, do you have any top five? Oh, yeah, yeah sure. that you. Um, it, again, it stems. Um, yes. It stems to the conversations we've already mentioned about a complete athlete, and that definitely applies for, for mixed martial arts as it is. Um, so, uh, for the context of the most complete fighter, uh, agree with this one: George St. Pierre being the top grade champion. Uh, he's versatile on stand-up or striking. He's versatile on the ground. He's versatile at controlling the environment that he's in. So he has all three skill sets uh, that are required for somebody to not only survive, but also win fights and win them very well and decisively. Highlight attributes of strength, speed, um, strategy, a big thing in mixed martial arts is strategy. Um, how you think the certain things that you're going to do at any given time in a 25 minute championship fight, and that's five minute, that's five five minute rounds. Um, and you know the the mental fortitude to continue um, and what that means. And there are a lot of great champions. Um, uh, some people disagree with that. Being with him being number one, I'd say he's number one because he is a complete fighter. But he's also inside and outside the cage a gentleman, which is very important. Um, he's a traditional martial artist, which uh, to me, by definition, means somebody that utilizes their training, uh, pays pays tribute to the people that came before, the people that. Uh, trained in those styles, even to the, uh, harking back to you know the 1800s. You know uh, he does he does uh, Kyokushin Japanese uh, strike based karate, um, which is a very unique Japanese uh, style of martial arts, and that is becoming pretty popular now from what I have read. Anyway, now back to the Bruce Lee thing. He disagrees with style at all. Um, he doesn't believe in style. Uh, he thinks that style is limited. Um, it makes you limited as an individual to fight freely. That's what Bruce Lee believes. Um, which I agree so, with. Um, but in a mixed martial arts setting, you have rules, you have regulations, you know, you have things that are, that are you know, you can do and you can't do. And Kyle Cushion is a very um, style set. So. Uh, what do you think of Conor McGregor? Uh, McGregor is, uh, I'd say when it comes to, uh, if I were to have my top five, he's one of the best of all time in regards to the brand. You know, again, with Jordan and having the brand and everything, he is very similar to Jordan in that way. Um, he, he has made the UFC $55 million. Um... <laughs> Uh, or I think he's made fifty-five million. 
and then he's made UFC God knows how many um, uh, but he's interesting and I can't even count how many times I said the word interesting he really is great in the way of he backs up what he says usually um, uh, not many fighters do that uh, ever they will say I'm going to knock this person out at this you know this way I'm going to do it this way and I'm going to do it in the first round at minute two he's done right. that multiple times like, like he I forget the statistics on uh, uh, one of my friends and one of my military friends knows how to communicate this way better than I do but um, he's a real good friend of mine and he basically said statistically that, that that Connor has not been in the cage longer than five minutes, and he's that's how well he's defeated people. Like, like he's that good that he's only been in the in the cage. He's knocked people out that quickly. I think it's like five or six minutes total round time in his entire career. Like that's like yeah. <laughs> Okay, so here's a question. What do you think of Jake Paul? Um, I think it's appalling. He's appalling. He's Jake Paul, and he's <laughs> appalling. Um, his brother is way more um, uh, well-mannered than he is. Um, I understand you're a YouTuber. You're, you're a um, you know inf- influencer. <laughs> As Tana Mojo said. But... Um, <laughs> I get what he's doing. I get that he has a brand and I get that he's trying to make money and he's trying to have notoriety and all of those things that come along with that kind of uh, image. Um, and maybe it is. Maybe it is just all having fun. And I mean, I think he's made, with YouTube alone, I think he's made $20 million or something. Oh, and uh, just a lot of money. You know, a lot. Of, it's a lot. So if he's just trying to have fun and trying to just poke fun at the culture of social media and and what that means and and if, if he's doing that for that reason alone and just trying to hype up being in this mixed martial arts world just for fun then i think it's fine uh i don't you know whatever do what you want to do um but right. it's a, there's a, there's a thin line in my opinion in mixed martial arts there are people in mixed martial arts that will kill you. <laughs> like, they will kill you. There's a guy that I used to watch, and he was so cool. His name was Mirko Krokop. And that was his name. And they called him Krokop because he was a Croatian corrections officer. And um, he was a special agent under the, uh, you know, subsidiary of the of the country of the Ukraine, and he's like a hitman, and he's like, like actually killed, murdered people under the <laughs> like the, the the Croatian government, uh, like they've they've given him license under that. I don't know all the details, but I, I pretty much read up that he he would do government prevent government assassination attempts and like, and he's a UFC guy, and I think he's he's, reti- he's long since retired. But um, that's an example of some of these people that you get into. 
there are certain uh, circles as well that if you say the wrong thing to certain people, if you piss the wrong person off, somebody's going to be waiting outside your car, you know, right. with a firearm or something. So that's my point is like what I mean is it's fun to make it, you know, fun to poke fun of the culture of, of social media and entertainment value. And I get that. And if that's his intention, have fun, you know. But if he expects to have a legitimate mixed martial arts career out of this kind of behavior, good luck. This dude is going to get knocked out by nobody's business. And and Connor being one of those main profile people that he has called out, he he's not serious. Like like anybody with a brainstem in any kind of real mixed martial arts uh, experience knows you don't say that. To a true, to a ch- true champion, he's not calling. Khabib is another one that I, I actually told Dad about him, and Khabib is a very subdued. Once again, the, the total different approach to the sport that Connor is. Connor is aggressive. He's a trash talker. He's a knockout person. He's Irish. He's got that added uh, sensationalism behind the nation of Ireland. And he has proper 12 yeah, whiskey. Yeah, and that's good whiskey, too. You and I ought to try that once you, you get 21. That'd be fun. Um, and uh, it's very smooth and very affordable. But anyway, um, uh, uh, he, he has his brand, but he also backs up what he says usually. And he has a very good skill set. He's very good at striking and he's very good at controlling the octagon. And then Khabib is over here, and he wrestled bears in Russia. Like, what? Are you kidding me? Like, what is the world? You know? But you notice that Jake Paul is not calling him out. Because Khabib will just sit there and just not say anything. And he's known the eagle for a reason, because he never lets go. He's so belligerently good. Jake Paul has called out Conor McGregor and called him out again the other day. Yes, and yet to respond, thank God. But uh, well, Conor ain't gonna. But he he probably thinks that it's all just a joke and all that. Now, Jake Paul is going to fight Ben Askren. And Askren, he's a firecracker, man. And he, he, yep. I don't know if he saw the press conference. I did. I saw it. Yep. Yeah. What did you think of that? Well, the fact that he touched him and then uh, Jake reply the way he did I don't know whether it was it looked like it was spur of the moment but Ben doesn't care he doesn't care he's a social media guy you're telling me sorry Askren has formal training under him I just think it's it's pretty crazy are there any UFC women that are good to you yeah yeah there are plenty because uh, I like Rousey, but she's retired. So. Well, she's retired. She did. Uh, she came on the force. Um, on the force, what the? Uh, he came. <laughs> the, she came in the UFC at a time then uh, where there were virtually no women there. She yeah. was one of the first uh, female champions, um, if not the first. I think she was the first one, if I remember. I'm not sure. I have to look that up. But um, she was unique in the sense of. She did judo, and judo is a very unconventional ground style um, based on body leverage and how to throw a person and how to uh, utilize just very simple movements 
to to win. And she was rich. She's like when it comes to and again, formal credentialed judo competitive martial artist. She is. She is not a stranger to like just straight badass um, uh, martial arts style training. Um, even though it has been documented, and I totally agree with this, she's a sore loser. She's yeah. very Serena. Um, <laughs> very Serena Williams about certain things. Um, but her mother is a judo champion also. Kind of cool how you have that kind of uh, lifestyle. Um, so besides her, um, Amanda Nunez is prime tier um, she's uh, an animal, you know. And then uh, another one, which I, my personal favorite out of all of them, is Holly Holm. Um, yeah. Holly Holm, the preacher's daughter. Um, she's very good, and she does a lot of kicking, which I like. Martial arts, I love uh, uh, traditional kickboxing. Um, uh, Muay Thai, I like the approach to kick, kicking and punching style. I love that stuff. Um, and she executes... Her technique is very good. Yeah. So those are my three. There are, are other notables. There's uh, about how women are starting to do the stuff that men are doing just as well, if not better, than a lot of the guys. Um, and mixed martial arts is one of those shining lights for f- power feminist... Uh, stuff. I think it's great. I think it's uh, really well done. We need more of that, especially in sports. And I definitely uh, agree with that. But one of my other favorite uh, UFC people is Blasevich. I don't know if you've watched him. Jan Blasevich. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's good. I love him. Uh, yeah. I'm looking at the title holders right now. Adesanya was who he matched up with uh, yeah. as a recent, and he beat the crap out of him. Adesanya is insane. He's John Blasevich is 28 and 0. Adesanya is 20 and 0. So. Adesanya is very unconventional. And, and mixed martial arts is different um, uh, in the sense of combat sports when it comes to body type. That's a big thing. Um, also, I guess uh, the same could be said for gymnastics, also. But um, that's true. Um, uh, yeah, they said Adesanya was interviewed. He looks after like the fight. a mantis. <laughs> he He's like said, an insect. I didn't put in. I didn't put on any weight. I didn't want to. So. Yep. I mean, he lost, but he's like, "Do you regret that decision?" He said, "No." Hmm. Nope. Okay, but um, Shevchenko for women. I really like her. Um, yeah, Shevchenko's good, yeah. Valentina. Um, let's see. Amanda Nunes, like you said. She just looks scary. <laughs> yeah, she's a, she's a Wolverine. She's terrifying. Yeah. And then the most terrifying of all, I may have told told you before, Chris Cyborg. Yeah. yeah. Chris yeah. Cyborg. She's, she looks like a... Uh, um, <laughs> she's like a mongoose. <laughs> Like a rabid, steroid-infused mongoose. What do you... Like a capybara? (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Good God. That's like rap that hasn't eaten for like four months and is still living for some reason. Yeah. That's her. Um. Okay. What do you think of Dustin Poirier? Poirier's such a wholesome Cajun. Um, really well mannered guy. Um, and very strategic. Uh, he has that strategic mind that you would need in mixed martial arts. It makes my fans. I can't spell. <laughs> um, and um, has beaten Conor McGregor. Uh, also, uh, most recently. Yeah. Um, and he's very good. He. They're one in one, I believe now, and I think they're doing the trilogy uh, coming up. Poirier knew what to do. Um, he knew how to beat McGregor, and he did. Um. And then I'm reading the list. Max Holloway. Oh, yep. Holloway, yep. Alexander. Oh, that's a hard one. Is it... Okay. Volkanovsky? Volkanovsky, yeah. Okay, there we are. Uh, Brandon Moreno. Moreno. Uh, You got Tyson Woodley. Tyson Woodley. Yep, yep, yep. Frankie Edgar. Edgar. You're talking about fast. He's like a speeding bullet out there. Jose Aldo. Aldo, yeah. He used to be. Uh, he used to be one of the great champions. And, and again, talking about how martial arts came to the states and the popularization of mixed martial arts started with the Brazilians. The uh, Brazilians yeah. and the Gracies and the Jiu-Jitsu mania that happened in the eighties. We've got Edison Barbosa. Good. Yeah. I feel like you would like uh, Clay Guida a lot. Maybe. Guida is cool. Real short uh, guy. The best cardio I've ever seen in any human in mixed martial arts. He's gotten obliterated. Just like bloodied oh. up. And he keeps running. Like he keeps bouncing up and down. Like he doesn't stop. <laughs> I'm like Carla Esparza. I forgot about her. Sergey Plausevich. That's a cool name. Um, Augusto Sakai, Walt Harris. I think that's pretty much it for this episode. All right. Well, it was very, very informative and fun to talk about all of those different kind of aspects. Um, uh, sorry if we went all over the map, but it was just fun to go back and forth and you know talk about sports. It was. You know what I mean? Uh, thanks for calling in. Yeah. No problem. All right. 